Podcasting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. Well, this is something a bit different and planned because I've already had an episode recorded, ready to put up this week, on autumn tactics on still waters. But I'm actually going to hold fire with that now and put it up in a couple of days' time. Maybe midweek I will do it. Because say an extra bonus podcast. And the reason I'm doing that is because it only dawned on me last night the date 7th of October was a special date because on the 7th of October 1922 Georgina Ballantyne caught the record salmon of £64. I actually put an episode together I think it was 2019 during lockdown of this story and I took the details from an extract from the field back in 1922 after the catch and recorded in Georgina Bannertine's own words to celebrate 100 years I had to put this podcast up again it's a great story of a magnificent achievement so sit back and enjoy this week I thought I'd do something a little different and get a little creative with the audio so to get the full immersive effect I suggest for you to listen to this episode with your headphones on. So sit back, relax, as I take you to another place in time, away from this mad world we're living in right now. I make my way down the winding country road, through the wind and the rain, Drawn by the smell of a peat fire in the cold winter's night, coming from the glow of the lodge by the lake. The bar is busy, so we head into the back room, where the crackling of the roaring fire and the two worn Chesterfields await. I recently did a podcast episode on women in fly fishing. So carrying on from that theme, I did some research on the record salmon caught in the River Tay by Georgina Ballantyne. The following story is a very own account of what happened that day and was printed in the field in 1922. 100 years on, still the British record salmon. Saturday, 7th of October, 1922, started well for Miss Ballantyne. In the morning, she took three respectable salmon weighing £17, £21 and £25. At dusk, on the same day, her father James Ballantyne, who was then fisherman for the Laird of Glenville Dean, 
Sir Alexander Lyle took her out in the boat for an hour's hauling. A curious form of fishing, indigenous to the tea and scarcely practised anywhere. The boatman, in this case James Ballantyne, rows back and forth across the current. The tea is roughly 60 yards wide, skillfully covering salmon lines that have been known and studies for hundreds of years. Sometimes even three rods are set up to trail fly or lure over the stern. On this evening, there were two rods, a split cane with a Wilkinson fly and a great heavy green hat attached to a now obsolete revolving lure of a mottled brown colour called a dace. The weather, Miss B recalls, was quiet and balmy, as fine an autumn evening as one could wish for. At 6.15, the dace was taken suddenly and violently. The shock nearly pulled the rod from her hands. But she regained control, keeping the line tight and clear of the other rod. The father held the boat steady. Somehow they managed to get the other rod in and clear the scene for action. At that point she knew there was something very, very heavy on. The unseen monster led them back and forth across the river in sweeping yard rushes. At one point, it slipped behind a rock in a deep lie. Terrified she might lose it, Miss B kept a tight but delicate control of her line while her father swiftly manoeuvred the boat downstream of the rock to keep the line from rubbing and fraying. Suddenly, the fish shot clear. Miss B kept a tight line and the fish was still hers. Slowly, they were towed downriver to a point opposite the cottage. They saw Mrs. Ballantyne on the river bank, lantern in hand, peering into what was now a pitch-black night. They shouted to her what was happening, and followed the fish, hoping for even a glimpse of it. But not once did it surface. There was nothing great silent wait and the line slicing through the black water a hundred yards below the cottage is Capath Bridge the bridge has two pilings and as the boat hugged the left bank of the river the quarry made a determined rush for the far shore inevitably the line would be broken with waning strength Miss B applied as great a strain as she dared and slowly the fish turned slipping between the pilings James Ballantyne, now rowing frantically, could just follow. She was ready to drop from exhaustion, but her father refused to touch the rod. This was a challenge only she could answer. It was nearly two hours since the salmon had been hooked in the boat pool. Now they were half a mile downstream. Once more, keeping a tight line, Miss B reeled in and felt with aching arms that the creature she had not yet seen was almost ready to be taken. It was moving slowly in short bursts. Gently, she urged it closer to the boat until they could see that the line entered the water almost vertically. Somewhere three or four or five feet down was her fish. Certainly it was ready to be gaffed. But gaffing even a normal-sized fish in the dark is not easy. How were they to manage this leviathan? 
James inched his way aft, set the gaff against the line, and slowly moved it down until he felt the knot on the leader. Had he not made it himself? Did he not know precisely how many blood knots he had made in the expensive silkwork gut? He ran the head of the gaff down into the water, counting each time he felt a tiny protuberance. Three, four, five. The fish must be just below. He pushed forward gently and turned the gaff and drew it up quickly. There was no mistake. With his great strong hands, he brought his daughter's catch to the surface and the one big heave, he dragged it over the gunwales. The fish, even after more than two hours, was by no means exhausted and leapt and flapped in the bottom of the boat. Father thought he was going to jump into the river and threw himself on top of it. Miss B sipped her tea, eyes sparkling. My whole arm was paralysed and I was utterly exhausted. I could have lain down beside the fish and slept. Well, two men were hailed to carry it, slung on a pole to the farm, where it was weighed and witnessed by sixteen people. Many times before the morning, she woke with nightmares and found herself clutching the brass railing of a bedstead as she clung to the rod that afternoon. Her arms remained swollen for two weeks. Her name was famous when she woke. Papers throughout Britain carried news of her achievement and every detail of the fish. Weight, 64 pounds. Length, 54 inches. Girth, 28 and a half inches. Next day, Sunday, the news went round like wildfire and people came from far and near to see the monster. Our lad Sir Alexander gifted it to the Perth Royal Infirmary where it went over with both patients and staff. The fun began on Monday when it was taken to Malach's the tackle shop in Perth. I happened to go round by Scott Street in the afternoon and there was a big crowd around Malach's window. I thought there'd been an accident. Instead, the fish were displayed in the window with a placard stating its weight and that it had been caught by Miss Ballantyne. I went round the back and stood for a moment beside two old chaps with side whiskers. One said to the other, A woman? No woman ever took a fish like that out of the water. I would need a horse and a block and tackle to take a fish like that out. A woman? That's a lie anyway. I had a quiet chuckle up my sleeve and ran to catch the bus. An extract taken from the field. 1922. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get two extra podcasts each month. That's one every week, plus bonus content, photography, and other exclusive content, plus access to over 100 episodes. You can join my Patreon channel by visiting patreon.com forward slash casting with kerry jones or see the links on my website castingwithkerryjones.com or see my posts on facebook and instagram well that's all for now tight lines and don't strike too soon